Thanks, Chris. It's good to be with you. Good, I'm glad you're here as well. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. It's nice to be in a monologue sometimes. Um, no, no, not generally anyone, actually. I, I would have been happy with the response from, from not just you, Chris, but um, one from you would have been good as well. So anyway, so we're, so we're, we're in the beginning of our, our um, series in Acts. We're doing a term in Acts. And this is a title of my talk, Being Prepared for an Outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Because that's, that's what happens in Acts, isn't it? God's Spirit gets poured out. And we were looking at this, this passage uh, last week. Chris took us through it. And this is the moment when, when the Holy Spirit arrives and falls on the gathered apostles and disciples. So let me read it to you. If, if you want to turn to it in your Bibles, then please do. It's in the same translations as the one on your, on your table. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. The chapter, the chapter rolls on, and then it focuses on um, one character, one, one, of the, one of the apostles sort of takes the lead, and it's Peter. So this happens, and then Peter steps forward with the 11 other apostles, and he shouts, much like, no, no, don't apologize. You know, we, we, we've literally all been there. So, uh, you know, I think even if we can't remember it, we, we can sympathize. Um. He walks forward and shouts to the crowd, listen carefully all of you. And he, and he goes on and does an amazing, amazing talk, amazing speech really. And, and I think it's 5,000 people come to faith that day. And I want to focus on Peter because he, he is the, in the early chapters of Acts, he's the, he's the lead man, the front guy of the story. And as we read Acts, it's easy to think that Peter is this incredibly impressive, overbearing, intense, um, sort of prophetic, spirit-filled, miracle-working guy. That's, that's Peter. But it's very easy to forget when we read Acts where we last met Peter. Because the time that we met Peter before was when he denied Jesus three times. And then was amazingly, uh, had this wonderful conversation with Jesus where he's where he's sort of brought back into, um, he's sort of restored by Jesus. And so my title, Being Prepared for an Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, really is about being prepared by God for an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. It's less about what we can do to prepare, and it's more about what God wants to do to us to prepare us. Because I think what God wants to do as he prepares us for an outpouring of his Holy Spirit is to expose all of our cracks. To show us where we built a big house, a lovely house, completely on sand. So this moment where Peter you know, stands up and speaks, it's actually the, the fulfillment of a prophetic word that Jesus gave to Peter. Here's, here's, a, here's a prophetic word. Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that, uh, that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. 
Suddenly, Peter fulfills this word of destiny that Jesus gave him in Matthew 16. But between the times is, is quite a challenging time. In fact, just after this verse, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have, you don't have things of God in your mind, but the things of man. And so I want to talk to you a bit about the role of God's refinement in preparing us for um, his Holy Spirit. Because if you track the life of Peter, and indeed if you track the life of Paul, who are two of the most uh, foremost characters in the, in the story of Acts, both of them undergo just amazing refinement, painful refinement. And refinement often happens, um, often happens through tragedy, often happens through um, challenging circumstances. Now, my personal theology is that God doesn't necessarily cause a tragedy. I don't believe that God causes um, uh, pain and that kind of thing. Um, I don't want to go into that because that's not really what I'm talking about today. But but what often does happen through pain, tragedy, uh, um, challenge, is that God highlights areas of of us that he wants to um, heal, restore, undo sort of corrupt thinking, bad bad beliefs, and and replace them with uh, true dependency on God. He takes the sand and he changes it to stone. So a part of what I wanted to do today was share a bit of, bit of my story in coming here because um, really, I mean, you're all very, very lucky because I, I basically had a breakdown just before I arrived. So you got me at my best. So, <laughs> so you know, 12 out of 10 for you. Um, so before, before I came here, uh, back, back in October um, last year, I, uh, yeah, I, I was, I, we, we, we were doing it, we were doing a few things. We were about to move, uh, move flat. And uh, at, at my at my job at a education charity, which is what I do for part of my time, my boss asked me to do a financial forecast between October and the end of the year because he wanted to know um, what pay rises he could give. So I thought, well, that's a great thing to do because you know maybe I'll get a pay rise. So <laughs> I'll do a good forecast. You know. Anyway, so <laughs> hey, I don't work like that. I don't. Work. Anyway, I did, I did this forecast and, um, and I kept running the figures through. And every time we were, we were going to be out of money by the end of the year. And I was thinking, I must be getting something wrong. I must be getting something wrong. And, uh, and I spoke to him and he, and he was surprised. And, um, and then he looked into it and he, and he said the next day, he said, you know, you're, you're totally right. We, you know, he missed a couple of things and, and we missed some things and we need to make some changes. But, um, and we've been there before. We, every, every year, the beginning of the academic year is incredibly challenging for us as a charity because we work with secondary schools and it's always a low in terms of, um, the number of students we work with and it, and it improves throughout the year. So September is always a nervous time, he says on September the 8th. And, um, and this time it was just another one of those examples where it was going to be financially tough. We need to rein things in and make a change. But for some reason, this time, even though we've had it two times before um, when it's been really bad, this time it just it just sent me into an absolute spin, absolute spin. I couldn't sleep. I was I was in tears quite a lot. Um, I had, I had certain physiological uh, signs of my stress, namely diarrhea, and um, wow, okay, toilet. <laughs> Toilet humours are no go. <laughs> that's good to know. It's good to know what the boundaries are. You know, that's fine. That's fine. That's that's fifty percent of my repertoire. <laughs> um, and I was in a really, and I was in a really, really challenging place. You know, and so and um, 
And a lot of it was down to this in, in moving house. We, we were taking a bit of a risk financially. We'd done the maths and it was looking just about break even. And I suddenly had this fear of if I was going to lose my job, what was I going to do? You know, would I afford this or that? And God had been really specific about where we were going to go and, and why, why we need to move there. So it was definitely a God thing. And, but I was just, I was gone. I had total anxiety attacks for about a week. And, um, yeah, and through, and through that process, um, I guess I realized how, how, how rubbish my theology is. Because theology isn't, isn't what we think we believe. Theology is, um, what, what happens when we stop trying to do the right things. It's sort of what our reactions show we believe. My theology is God provides. But my theology was, I didn't believe God provides. You know, I had bad theology. I've got quite a lot of bad theology. You'll be pleased to know. Um, and and through that process, um, what, what, what's interesting about it, about the timing of it all, is it happened at the same time that God was bringing through breakthrough in my life as well. So we were just about to move into a, a new place that was an absolute gift from God. He'd been really specific. It actually, it actually fulfilled a dream I'd had four years ago. So you have this breakthrough as well as this breaking. Okay, so let's think back to the story of Peter. You have this breakthrough where he understands, suddenly sees who Jesus is in Matthew 16. And what follows it? A breaking. So I've got a simple analogy for you to, to show you how I think, think this works. So there's my bad theology, my belief system, my, my corrupt beliefs that depend on me and don't depend on God. The areas of, of my life that are built on sand and not stone. And then something that God wants to deliver to my life comes along and it looks at the bridge of my beliefs and it makes a choice. I'm not driving this over that. <laughs> It'll break you. And so God, because God is more interested in your wholeness than in our impact. Okay, so he's not going to drive something over the bridge of, of me that will break me. Now, sometimes I think, I think God sort of does in a sense because he wants us to see our brokenness and, and he starts introducing something that we can't handle and it has a similar effect. But what happens through refinement is God upgrades our bridge. And so then when the truck comes, it can, it can drive across. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, no, don't. No, please. Please, don't, 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 don't. I did say on my CV I was a PowerPoint expert, so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> if you want, do you know what? There you go. So we find that this journey of, of, of discipleship, really, this, this way of refinement where God grabs our attention about our characters. He, he's slowly, repeatedly upgrading our bridges. So that we can handle more and more traffic, more and more of what God wants to pull across into our lives. Now we, or I certainly, used to think that the things that God wanted to drive across the bridge of into my life were um, things that made an impact on other people. But I've, I think I'm learning that the main thing that God wants to drive across the bridge is, him, is himself. I think the main thing that God wants to, me to see and learn is more of him. Because with Peter's story, it was a revelation of who God was that actually led to his breaking. 
And through that journey of, of, of revelation, of God getting our attention about something, and then it breaking us and us being put back together, healed by God, then we can see a little bit more of him. When we look at the language of the Holy Spirit, and we look at the language of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is actually characteristics, isn't it? Galatians 5, 22, 23, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc., etc. They're characteristics. They're not tasks. They're not miracles. Paul, when, when, he, um, when he encounters Jesus, he then says in Galatians 1, that he actually, that he actually spends three years just, just having direct revelation from God. He says, I'll tell you the truth. The message I teach you, it wasn't taught to me by any person. It was taught to me directly by God. So Peter and Paul both share this commonality, which is that God teaches them the value of himself first and foremost above anything that they then go and do. Now I was reflecting as Esther was sharing, because I think Esther is really just like the, 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 the picture of this, you know. That she, that, that through, um, through the journey of life, she has learned to have this value for God um, teaching and training her as a person, growing her character, growing her um, sense of connection with God, her ability to weather things and navigate them with Jesus, not without Jesus. And then when you learn how to hear, when we learn how to hear that voice about ourselves, which I think is probably God's primary focus, then it becomes much easier to hear God about what he wants us to do. So Esther living a life of God teaching her, growing her, challenging her into who she is through, through challenging circumstances, through blessing, learning how to hear God about her character. Then when God comes in and says, actually, here's this thing I'd like you to do, it's really easy to hear because she's used to hearing her, his voice. I think sometimes we get it the wrong way around. We strive longing to hear God tell us what to do when actually he longs to tell us who to be. And the thing that is, and and I'll come to close here, the thing that is remarkable about, about it all is that Peter spent three years with Jesus, you know, as a disciple, learning and walking. Paul has three years learning directly from Jesus. And when, Paul, when Peter speaks this first message at the beginning of Acts, and 5,000 people come to know Jesus, the cycle starts again. Because Jesus is going to want, the Holy Spirit is going to want to teach those 5,000 people exactly the things that he's taught Peter. Exactly the things that he's taught Paul. Which is that the most important thing is that you are one with God. That you learn to love his voice over who you are above what you do. And that that is a journey of discipleship. What's amazing is that God doesn't wait until our bridges are fully upgraded before he starts driving across sort of tasks and impacts. In the story of Acts, as we go through it, we'll see moments of brokenness that, that Peter especially still has. There's a moment where he's caught out for being quite... Um, He's got double standards. You know, he, he acts one way to, to one per, group of people and then another way when another group of people arrive. And, and that's not healthy. And acts, it's included in the Bible deliberately because it wants, the Bible wants us to see that God works with broken people. That our strength, our strength is in our ability to embrace our fragility. Our strength is our ability to admit that we are not strong. And to walk the road of refinement. So, I've run out of steam. Shall we stand together and let's pray? I'll hand over to you, Chris.
And Rob, are you still? Yeah, you are. You're in front of me. Yeah, I think I think we will worship. I think we will worship. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you that thank you that you love to speak to us, that you love to guide us, to shepherd us, to refine us. Father, we pray where where there are challenging circumstances, where we're where we're facing pain. I pray that um, you would show us where your voice is in it. That we would be honest with you about the pain, but we would also be willing for you to um, expose our fault lines, our cracked foundations. Lord Jesus, thank you that we do not have to try and be impressive. But we allow ourselves to be honest. Thank you, Father, that you want to upgrade our bridges. Because you want us to see more of you. Because you want us to know you deeper. Sorry, more deeply. Thank you, Father, the heart of of the Holy Spirit is love. And that all tasks that he may lead us to do is designed to be rooted in love and to result in love. And as we worship now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and speak to us. Come and do what you love to do. Amen. Let's worship together. If, if you want someone to pray with you, do grab someone on your table and just ask them to pray with you. But we'll worship and go from there.